Have you ever looked up the definition of generational wealth? Well, I have recently, and it's not what most people think. See, most people, when they think about generational wealth, they're always thinking about the worldly possessions and money and what can they pass down to their kids. But you're going to be shocked to find out that the most valuable thing that you can pass down might not even be a physical thing. Let's get into the episode. You're listening to the Money, Markets, and Mindset Podcast where it's all about learning how to have your money work hard for you instead of you working hard for it. And now your host, stock market coach and options trader, Jason Brown. It's that time of the year. And what time of the year is that you may ask? Well, at the time of recording, we're in December and we're getting ready to go into the new year. So we're continuing with our goal setting thing from the last episode. So if you haven't listen to that one. Feel free to go back and check that one out where we talked about how to set and plan goals to catapult you into the new year. And it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, this year. Uh, This is a podcast or episode that you can listen to every year or anytime that you want to set some new goals for yourself because the principles stay the same no matter when you're listening to it. So uh, we'll leave some uh, links in the show notes and you can go check that out. Now, let's talk about generational wealth. Now, I looked up the definition of generational wealth, and I want to read it to you here. It says generational. So let's break it up. We got generational and then we got wealth. Okay, so let's just take generational first. Generational equals a body of living beings constituting a single step in the line of a descent from an ancestor. Okay. So when we say generational, we're just starting to talk about the next evolution, be that, uh, may be your kids. So I think sometimes when we think about generation, we, we tend to think only if it's our specific bloodline, but the next generation can be an age group. Does that make sense? So if you are uh, a baby boomer, you may be thinking about the next generation, the Gen Ys, the Gen X, the Gen Zers. Does that make sense? And then if it's in your family, you may be thinking, okay, my grandpa and his generation, this is what they did. And then here's what my generation did. And now what am I going to, you know, what am I thinking about for the next generation for my kids? Okay. So you could also be you know, you're the generation that's just older in the family and you're trying to look at what's coming for the next generation of cousins or nephews or the youngins that are coming up after you. All right. So that's what I want you to think about when we think about generation, because I don't want you to tune out if you don't have kids or you don't plan on having kids and you think, well, this doesn't apply to me because, you know, the, my generation is actually stopping with me. Your generation goes beyond you because there's multiple different classes of generations. Again, age group, again, your, your family or your, it could not necessarily be your immediate family, but how you're affecting the kids at your church, your community, um, et cetera. Okay. So that's generation. Now let's talk about wealth because I looked at the definition of wealth and there's a point in here that I think most people are missing and I think it's highly overlooked and I want to bring your attention to it. So let's talk about the definition of wealth. Now wealth, according to Webster Dictionary, or at least the online version of Webster Dictionary, it says it is an abundance of valuable material possessions or resources. Now, that's the part I want to read to you again. Well, the whole thing, but most people 
they stop right there at material possession. So again, wealth and abundance, okay, an abundance, an overflow of valuable material possessions or resources, okay? And that's the part I want to talk to you about today is that most people think in order to leave generational wealth, in order to leave something to the kids, to the youth, to whoever in your life that's coming after you, okay? Because that's how we're defining generational. Most people think, you know, I got to pass down a, a, my, my grandpa's watch or I have to pass down uh, my classic car or my purse or my earrings or, you know, maybe if you got married, the, the wives are like, I want my daughter to, I want to pass down the, the wedding dress. And that is what most people are familiar with, with generational wealth or generational you know, family heirlooms or inheritance, different things like that. And then obviously there's money when it comes to generational wealth that people think about, right? So how much money are you leaving behind? Or in some people's case, how much debt are you leaving behind that your kids or the next generation are gonna, is gonna have to clean up, okay? Or resources, okay? And this part really stuck out to me because when I think about the stock market and I think about learning how to have my money work for me, it's not necessarily only important to leave financial possessions, okay, or physical possessions to my kids, to my church, to my charity, to my community. It's very important to me that I leave resources. And so when I think about recording podcasts like this or YouTube videos or different things like this, I think, wow, long after I am gone, okay, people will be able to jump on the internet as long as, you know, YouTube still exists or iTunes for podcasts or Stitch or wherever you listen to this at. As long as those platforms still exist, that people will be able to log on and get generational wealth in the form of resources that I have left behind explaining how to get into a game where they can take the resources that I left and then turn that into financial gain or turn that into material possessions that they then can pass on to your, their kids or start to stack and build upon the generational wealth that I already left. And so money is not necessarily the most important thing that you can leave behind. But what if you left the blueprint behind on how to make money? And this is where I want to really challenge your thinking and open up your mind. So let me give you an example. If you think about the Coca-Cola family or if you think about the Ford family, uh, but I, I want to use Coca-Cola, you know, because th there's a there's something distinct about that that I think you'll you'll relate to. So when you think about Coca-Cola, is the is the money that Coca-Cola make is what is valuable about Coca-Cola? Is it the fact that they actually have monies and factories or is it the fact that they have a trademark trade secret recipe that only the family knows what the exact mix and ingredients is to create a one of a kind product that billions of people want to buy and want to consume every single day. Now, of course, there's value in having a factory, employees, a distribution system, logistics, all of that mapped out. But when you think about 
Amazon, for example, it's not necessarily the fact that Jeff Bezos is creating products. He, in fact, he doesn't really even create products, but the knowledge that the company has on how to deliver and fulfill everyone else's products is what actually makes Jeff Bezos and the Amazon company valuable. Now, listen, um, we're not here to debate uh, value of Amazon from the standpoint of, you know, some people like, well, they don't pay their workers enough or, you know, Amazon came to our town and brought all these jobs, but the housing market uh, went up. We're not we're not talking about value in that standpoint, but we're talking about the value that the company brings is the resources, is the information, is the knowledge that as long as that's in the Bezos family and as long as that's in the Amazon company, those resources, okay, of logistics, transportation, um, how to deliver something within, you know, 24 to 48 hours if you have a prime membership, that is actually where the value lies. And so, I was talking to my mentor, not recently, but I remember my mentor in network marketing said, so as we transition to understanding that the resources are valuable, I want to transition into how this plays out into setting your goals, okay? Because my my mentor once told me, when we were in network marketing, we were selling like telephone services. I was with a company called ACN, and I was later with Five Links, and I did, did a couple different network marketing companies. I did Primerica we were selling uh, insurance, financial services. But I remember my upline mentor saying, he was like, you're not in this because you want to get out of debt. He was like, you're not in this because you want to be rich. He was like, what you're in this to do is build a as big of a network as possible. So that way, no matter what products and services come out, that you have a network that can go out there and deliver these products and services. And so then he went on to break it down further. And he said, getting out of debt is a byproduct. Okay. It's a byproduct of learning how to manage and lead people and build a business Um, where you can deliver any service that they come out with, no matter what the service is. It could be insurance, telephone service, Mary Kay makeup, Avon. It doesn't matter. The actual knowledge and resource of having a team, knowing how to build a team, know how to be a great leader, and knowing how to take products from uh, from the company directly to consumers is actually the resource and the knowledge that you were going after. And if you went after that knowledge and resource, then everything else would follow. So when I think about that in relationship to the stock market, okay, most people, you may not even like the stock market, okay? You may be like, I hate the stock market, okay? Or, Or maybe you love it like I do. But what I can guarantee is that most people want to get out of debt. Most people want to donate more to their churches, their charity, their want to give more to their family, want their kids to have the opportunities that they didn't have to go to schools that they couldn't go to, or maybe just come out of college debt free, different things like that. Okay. We can all agree that we have a burning desire to ha- live, quote unquote, a good life, whether that's eat better food, whether that's work out more, um, live stress-free. We all have a desire to get uh, live a better life. 
But when you think about how to achieve some of the financial results that come with paying for that better life, okay, sometimes we get bogged down on what the vehicle is and we don't take a step back to think about the actual resource as a whole. So what am I saying? Whether it's investing in real estate, investing in the stock market, investing in 401ks, investing in your education and going back to school, investing time on your job and climbing the corporate ladder because you've gotten better at what you do. It doesn't matter what the vehicle is. What matters is that the big picture resource for you generating wealth or generational wealth for you and your family and then setting your goals around it. The big picture is you need to become a person that invests, period, whether it's time, money, whether it's physical labor, you need to become a person that invests. And so what are the byproducts or what are, first of all, what are the characteristics that come with invest? And then we can talk about the byproducts of once you get good at it, because you should already know by now, what are the byproducts of becoming good at investing? The byproduct of it is you know how to generate money from your mind, not always necessarily from your physical labor. You have a trade secret or resource that you could either sell or that you can pass on to the next generation and they can continue the process and providing for the family. You have information that is valuable to you and your family to help you reach your goals. Okay, so that's the byproduct of investing. And as a byproduct of being able to generate income as a byproduct, you'll be, you'll get out of debt. You'll get the car, you'll get the house, all of the things that you want. But the big picture is you have to get good at investing no matter what it is, even if it's not the stock market. Okay. So now that is the big picture of what you have to get good at. That's the byproduct of what's going to happen if you get good at it. But let's talk about some of the steps in between and the goals that you have to hit if you're going to get to the other side. Okay. And so if you have to become good at investing in general, then what are some of the subset things that you have to get good at? How about you have to get good at taking calculated risks? See, most people don't think about it like this. We take calculated risks every single day of our life. When you wake up and decide, do I pay $40,000 to go to school to get my degree out of college or to get a higher ed degree, to get a graduate degree, a doctorate, to become a lawyer, whatever the case may be, there's a financial risk, okay? I'm gonna put out 40, 50,000, whatever the amount is, And on the other side, you're always going to wonder, is this money going to come back to me? Am I going to be able to make this money back? So there is a financial risk that you have to get good at taking. Can I pass the class? That's all a risk. You do not know for certain that you will make it out with your degree. Now, here's another risk that you have to get good at taking. So we talked about the money or the financial risk, right? Taking a calculated risk. If I put this up What is my expected return or what am I going to learn? And more importantly, from what I learned, how much can I earn over my lifetime? Because some people look at it and say, I paid $50,000 for this degree. But if that degree 
was the difference between you making 40,000 on a job and 50,000 on a job, then you would know mathematically it's gonna take you simply five years. And after five years, that $10,000, each year of you making an additional $10,000 because you had the degree, that will pay for itself. It more than pays for the cost of the education, okay? If the reason you got a job over somebody else was because you had the degree, right? So you went and you applied for a job, you don't have a job, they would have picked you if you had a degree, but since you didn't, they didn't. If it took you a year to find another job and that job was gonna pay you $50,000, guess what? That degree would have paid for itself in the first year, but most people don't think about it like that, right? So that's how you have to weigh and calculate a financial risk, but that's not the only risk. There's a risk of time, okay? So going after your degree, I'm just sticking with the degree as an example, there's a risk, there's an investment and a risk, right? So the investment is what? Time this time instead of money. And then what is the risk? The risk is what if I give four years of my life and I fail a few classes? Well, now I got to come back and take class uh, for five years. And what if I never graduate, right? Then I just wasted three, four, five years of my life. Or what if I pay the price, right? The financial and the time price, right? The financial investment, the time investment, but then I can't find a job. Did I, did I just waste four years of my life? Okay. And that's one way, you know, that's how some people think. But the point is you have to weigh those pros and cons, but guess what you're doing every time you make that financial investment. Once you make that time investment, once you think about those pros and cons, you are actually becoming a better investor. Most people don't realize they are already investors. They're already investing in certain things. They just never looked at it that way, okay? And so when you really break down that scenario and think about what you're doing, it's not about going to school. It's not about how much it costs. Big picture, you are starting to become a person who can take calculated risks. You can look at the financial costs and then weigh the financial potential rewards. You can look at the time risk and weigh the time rewards, right? Because yeah, it took me four years to get the degree, but it allowed me to get a job in six months, or maybe it allowed you to get a job in a year that paid you X amount of dollars. So you can now start to take this calculated risk. And so the big picture is not the thing that you want in your life. It's not the car, it's not the home, it's not getting out of debt, okay? Those are not necessarily what you're going after. Those are byproducts of you becoming an investor and those are byproducts of you going after the big picture. And so when you look at generational wealth, which is what we started with, okay? It's the resources and the knowledge that you're going after because you could either use them in this lifetime, but more importantly, you could pass them on to the next generation so that they can use them in the next lifetime. And that's true wealth. I've heard someone say that being wealthy or having something that is of wealth is to build something that will outlast you, right? So it's like, what what will be here long after I'm gone? And for me, it's this video, it's these audios that people will look back on my life and say, wow, that guy was really pouring out knowledge. That guy was really trying to help people. And you might say, well, why? Why was he so motivated and so passionate about? Because 
before YouTube, there, there, there was, when you think about how you was able to get information before podcasts, before YouTube, you had to go to a library or you had to be part of a privileged community. And now we have an ability to get this information at a reasonable cost, sometimes free. All right. And now take that information. And even if we don't use it to build wealth for ourselves, can you imagine passing the baton to the next generation, whether that's your kids, your church, your charities, your family, your community and saying, Hey, I didn't necessarily use it, but I did use it because I got the information. Now I'm giving it to you to see how far you can take it. So when you think about going into 2020 or any year for that matter, and you're trying to weigh the cost, the investment of what you're going into, I want you to take a step back and think about what your ultimate goal is and what you're ultimately trying to do. And I can safely say your ultimate goal is not to get out of debt. Your ultimate goal is to become a person who knows how to handle money and invest it and never get into debt anyway. And even if you get into it, you know exactly how to get out of it. Your ultimate goal isn't to go to school to necessarily get a degree to get that job. Your ultimate goal is to become a person of value and work in the field that you can be happy doing what you do and feel like you're contributing to society every day. And as you get good at that, the money will follow, all right? And so I want you thinking about what do you want to leave behind for generational wealth? Not any physical material. I'd love for you to leave a comment below and let me know when you think about generational wealth, now that you can see that it's not just valuable valuable possessions, but it's also valuable resources. What type of resource do you want to be and what type of resources with respect to information do you want to leave behind? Because guess what? No matter how good you are on your job, you can't leave your job to your kids, okay? And there's no guarantee your employer is going to hire your kids or that that job will even be there or hire the kids in your community or hire the kids in your church. And so as we wrap this up, think about generational wealth. Think about how you can increase your value and your wealth, but not necessarily with worldly possessions, but with valuable information and how you can be a resource to the next generation. So thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Money, Markets and Mindset podcast. We hope this episode has been educational and inspirational. To learn more about how to have your money work for you inside the stock market, visit www.thebrownreport.com.